This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered, none except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk Man, I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with a victory edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Before I bring in the rest of the team and we proceed along this latest adventure that is this podcast, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. Get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Horns 24-7. Click that follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops at its new time, Tuesday afternoon. Look for it sometime around 4 o'clock. Tuesday afternoon. That's Central Time. I don't know if you folks listening around the world or across the country. Uh, you guys know we do have listeners. Like I looked at the demographics. Uh, we've got listeners like in Germany and Australia and all over the place. No one brand is international, brother. So little bit of extended time on when you're going to get the Blitz, but you'll still get it on Tuesday. And thank you guys so much, guys and gals, for listening to the show. Uh, we did an insane number of downloads for our kind of season preview louisiana preview podcast last week so thanks everybody for supporting the blitz i get more compliments on the blitz than i do anything else yeah I got, i've got light the tower I've got obviously my work at horns 24 7 i get more compliments on the blitz when i see people in public than anything else no, like, people oh enjoy i love the blitz it. love the blitz so. well, we've been doing it forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Been around for can a while. you imagine what our reach would be if this program was actually consistently good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We've been around so damn long; people are just accustomed to it. I maybe think. we're like, uh, and, and we also severed it and came back for a summer. Yeah, That's maybe we're, maybe we're like the fan base's therapists. This is like therapy for everybody. That's what it's been for the last decade. Uh, this is true. Maybe we're uh, finally starting to see. Some uh, progress in that therapy. Yeah. <laughs> well, we saw, <laughs> we saw progress. Yeah, the baby steps. Hey, hey ba- exactly. There you go. There saw you progress go. Uh, in the form of a 38-18 <laughs> win over Louisiana. The first game of the Steve Sarkeesian era is in the books. It was a success. We'll talk about that game and start looking ahead to Saturday's game against Arkansas. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drive machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I'm awesome. I know you got the numbers. You're ready to rock and roll, so let's not waste any more time. But before we get into it, i got to bring in the third member of our team last, but good Lord, definitely not least, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that team ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Hey, Rod. Appreciate it. Real quick before we uh, – I don't want to derail us too much and go on a tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned this last week on the show. You know I'm, I'm pretty big into sports cards. I've gotten back into that that niche, that hobby. Oh, yeah. uh, do you have any of your own rookie cards? Uh yeah, I have a couple. You got a couple, cards. okay, yeah, for sure. I was wondering because you know Snoop Snoop Daniel. For those of you who don't know, who produces Light the Tower with myself and Craig Way each and every week down Light the Tower from ten to noon. Snoop bought a couple from uh, yeah. Like Snoop Beckett told me that. Or um, no, he bought one. I gave him the other one. You gave him the other one. Okay. Yeah, because he 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 keeps it in the studio. Shout out to my man Snoop. He does. Which, 
I mean, hell, nobody keeps a Rod Babers card up, you know, in display anywhere other than my mom or dad, possibly, or my brother. So shout out to Snoop. I gave him the Detroit Lions rookie because I think he had the Giants rookie. Right. It's like Like Snoop has. Well, not the rookie, but the card. Snoop has, uh, Snoop has like four cards. He's got two Rod Babers cards. He's got a Ken Griffey Jr. card, a rookie card, and he's got like the Billy Ripken with the <laughs> FF written on the back. <laughs> that one's worth that's a lot. It. That error's that's four, worth a lot. Snoop has that's four cards, and two of them are Rod B cards. Yeah, that's very random. So, man, shout out to Snoop. Uh, J.J. Don, as I call him. The J.J. <laughs> Don. Yeah. yeah, you're close to using his Christian name. Craig Way is the only person that he allows to use his Christian name. And he does it every day every, to open his out. <laughs> a very sophisticated yeah. way that he spells Snoop, too. Yeah, well, I don't know if uh, Saturday's game against Seriously. Louisiana was sophisticated, but uh, it was effective, and it was nice to see. Uh, 38-18 win for Texas. Look, I'll, I'll start here. I think this is a great place to start. Matt, you, you made up a list. Uh, let me see how long your list is, because you had a lot of stuff on there. Okay, you got like the Mike Leach half sheet of paper. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just cut. That's something that, uh, that Lincoln Riley play sheet. Basically, it was a game that got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, every everything you made a list of everything we've complained about for like the last four years under Tom Herman and what was different in this game. So, Matt, the floor is yours. Where you want to start? Well, I'll start with a few, and then we can throw in nuggets when we get to other ones across the board. But the first one, the one I said to you all before the show, is great because you just go and look at last year when we heard how much Bijan was – Pass blocking, and he had led the team clearly, the most, highest percentage of pass blocking, 26.9%. By the way, keep in mind that he, was, he mm. was on the field in the backfield in that Oklahoma game when Texas gave up a sack uh, with an eight-man protection. Mm. Very, very, very hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> eight-man but protection, exactly. And the thing with Bijan, though, isn't necessarily if he's a bad blocker or a good blocker. It's he's such a freak with the ball in his hands. You want to have those snaps be used as much as possible. He was only into pass block 12.5% of the time, by far the lowest, and less than half of the amount of times he was last year. And then if you go look at – we talked a lot about just hyper-focused usage and being able to just – Play your better players a lot and give them the ball a lot. And playing your better players a lot was huge because you look at the snap counts. It was 62 worthy, 62 more. You played 72 plays. I mean, I went through all of Moore's plays last year. Is one game similar, and you would say he had 77 snaps. Every other one, this would be basically a career high. You look at Guy Bijan, 48 snaps. And now if we talk about the usage, getting the ball or getting the most out of them, yards per route run run for Bijan last year was 1.63. This year it was 3.65. You look at Whittington, his depth of target, we talked about the predictability of the offense last year. He was a guy that was really screened near the line of scrimmage. You would always have your deep targets on the mm-hmm. outside, but you could almost map out a Tom Herman offense and where yeah. they were going to be targeted on the field. Whittington this year he was targeted eight yards downfield on all of his targets, not a 4.7 like he was last year. And also getting more out of him with that. He was two yards per route run last year. This year, 5.14. So you had the hyper-focused usage, the snap counts going to your best players yeah. using a very small field. And people think, you know, that sounds very simple, but it's so much more to be able to continue that efficiency across your yeah. offense and not have that type of drop-off. And those type of things, you saw that in at Alabama. I remember our first week of doing the show, whenever Sark was hired, we sat there and we're like, man, I really hope he does that with the skill guys yeah. Texas has here, and he did. So hang tight, Matt. I'll, you got anything else, Matt? Uh, we'll or, get to more okay, later. Okay, okay. So I want to pick up the snap count thing, and then we'll just dive into the offense from here. Uh, to your point, Matt, so I'm looking in. This is pro football focus. Look, I know people have issues with PFF. Take it however you want, but it's a hell of a lot better than what we had before, which was nothing. People just was, uh, Longhorn was, fans are just upset because they troll Longhorn fans. I think it's, by, tro- I think it's blatant trolling. By man. putting either Deshaun Jameson or Trey Watson in a picture <laughs> when they mention Bijan. Well, and I like I said, I've been saying this for, for months now. They're trolling you, Longhorn fans. <laughs> you have the most expansive fan base, arguably, in sports, but also the most reactive. 
So when you react, when they sell your reaction, they just sell impressions. Yeah. When they sell it to advertisers, they don't sell that, oh, you know what, half those Longhorn fans who responded They're to upset. us, they were upset and pissed <laughs> off. They, they don't, don't sell that. This is a Kim Kardashian effect. They don't care about that. Why do you just think Paul get Feinbaum the impression. keeps talking about Texas? Yeah, exactly. Because y'all, so, y'all keep taking the bait. I, they, I, so Longhorn fans, they are trolling you. They're not that stupid. I mean, I know they're disorganized at times, but they're not that stupid. Right. They're, they're pretty smart, actually. Uh, but So basically the PFF for the snap counts, Matt, to your point, uh, Xavier Worthy, Joshua Moore, mm. 62 snaps each, Jordan Whittington, 43. So those are your top three receivers. And so Jordan Whittington played the fewest snaps of those guys at 43. The next closest receiver, Rod, Marcus Washington with nine, mm-hmm. Calvante Dixon with four, mm. Alvante Woodard with four, Kai Money played one snap. Oh, Kai Money. Damn, it's over, I guess. I it, guess because <laughs> that Kai Money Sark, story was a good one year story. Sark played his best. Uh yeah. I mean Sark wants to funnel he wants to funnel touches to the best players. It only makes sense, right? You only got a certain a finite amount of touches for every player, for every position. Why would you waste those touches in a game right. with players who do not give you the best chance for the most successful outcome? Right, so my best players get the most touches, and therefore my success rate, at least the odds for my success, ex- increase exponentially. It ain't rocket science. No, it really, it, it yeah. ain't. I love, I mean, but I, I love that what we've studied from Sark at Alabama is translating to Texas here in the first game. A lot of stuff that we studied from Tom Herman and his offense, it didn't really translate here mm-hmm. to Texas. It didn't immediately translate. He started doing other things that getting back to Matt's point about stuff that really uh was our, you know, kind of our pet peeve that grinded our gears mm-hmm. when Tom Herman was the head coach here. But for Tom Herman, I mean Sark's offense, what I studied, I saw it. I yeah. mean, over 60% of the offensive plays had pre-snap motion, and that was, I think, those um, numbers, the rate of them were, were higher when the game was, was closer, uh-huh. when it was a competitive game first, fourth quarter, first half. Uh, yeah, in the fourth quarter, I think they didn't have time. as much pre-snap motion. So a lot of stuff, it just it carried over, and it made sense. Like I said, a lot of times Tom Herman's offense, it uh, not only lacked creativity, but it was a failure of imagination, and it lacked common sense. This offense had imagination, and it had plenty of common sense. Yep, and while we're on the snap count number, you basically can, when you break down, you had the 72 snaps on offense, and I saw, Rod, you were on to the number as I was whenever I was sitting at home. It was 13 times you had 20 personnel where you had two backs out on the field and then if you look at the amount of snaps from the tight end there was 81 so it was a plus nine you add those two together that's 21 snaps over and that's basically where Whittington has the drop off from Worthy and Moore so in those 19 less plays it was whenever Texas was running multiple running backs or multiple tight ends were subbed in on the plays that probably situationally weren't fit for Whittington. See what personnel grouping they opened in, Rod, for the first Pretty personnel. I mean, made me feel good. It's beautiful. Now, yeah. granted, that was a three-and-out drive, but it was the, maybe the greatest three-and-out drive I've seen, like, in the last ten years. No, I was um, I was really happy <laughs> with it. In my time on the beat, because I'm like, oh, my God, they opened in 20 personnel. I mean, I've been preaching it for five years now. Um, just good, happy, happy to see Sark once again looking at the personnel and saying, all right, my best 11 include mm-hmm. two running backs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sorry, exactly. that's just my – and three wide receivers. That's part of what my best 11 is, and I think that's what he wanted to show on the initial – uh, like the initial drive, the and game. to correct myself, it was eighteen plus with tight ends, not eight. I said the wrong thing, but was thinking the right. We knew what you meant. Math, it's all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so overall, so uh, guys, are, again, schematically, not a lot that I can really complain about. The issues, if you know, whatever issues exist on offense, to me, really goes back to two things. Penalties, which takes you back to the offensive line. And there's a lot of hand-wringing, gnashing of teeth about the offensive line. Rod, if you're a Texas fan really upset with the offensive line, you weren't listening to this podcast or reading anything I wrote at Horns 24-7 or anything anybody with a pulse on this program was talking about because if you're expecting this offensive line to just come out game one and look like the 05 offensive line – as I've told people in the past, that's a you problem. It's not what I was expecting. We knew this. There's yeah. a reason we talked about the Louisiana defensive front as being a really good test for this offensive line because, you know, we Jake Majors, 
Rod, you and I are both big fans of him, but hey, see what he does when you put a 335-pound nose tackle over yep. him. Zion Hill's a guy that is going to be a really good is a really good player and is going to be one of the better defensive linemen in the Sun Belt this year. So, were they facing the equivalent of Oklahoma's defensive front? No, but that's still a pretty damn good defensive front you opened with and in an opener and we know that group takes longer than any other position group to build chemistry and cohesion and play together on top of what we talked about that it was probably going to be unrealistic to expect Kyle Flood to just correct everything in one offseason. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a little bit clunky for that offensive line mm-hmm. group, and it's pretty clear that they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Kyle Flood is, you know, he's the right guy for the job. I think he'll initially come up with the right solutions. But, you know, right now it's just too too large of a project to overhaul and remake the offensive line, build up the, you know, uh, rebuild, I should say, their their foundation mm-hmm. um, yeah. and just one off season. I, so I, I do think it'll probably head in the right direction, but why I'm not that overly concerned because the offensive line has been subpar here at Texas for, for a decade <laughs> plus now. Uh, the reason I'm probably not as concerned. About 15 years. Yeah, because you have, you have Bijan Robinson, yeah. right? So you, you can go look at even, you know, some of the, the grades of the offensive linemen, you know, they probably didn't grade out, even even grade at pass blocking or run blocking, and yet Bijan still was able to eat, right? Bijan still <laughs> able to get Great. his and get explosive tackles. plays, exactly, because you don't need perfect blocking for the run game to work when you have a special player like Bijan. That's number one. Number two, I do have faith in Sark that he'll scheme around the the issues on the offensive line, whatever they may be. Yeah. Um, not everybody can do that, but I do think Sark understand or have that honest evaluation about okay, the offensive line's not great, um, so we need to either uh, install the quick passing game to insulate uh, for pass protection or we need to, you know, different things you can do, right? Screen game, maybe that becomes a big part of what we do. Um, you know, more RPOs, get the ball out quick, all those types of things. I think Sark can scheme around the battle line until yeah. they figure out what they got. Mm-hmm. And maybe they never figure it out. Maybe they just need a talent infusion. Maybe it's – that simple. Yeah, not to do an apples to apples comparison, but go back and look at LSU in 2019. That LSU offensive line wasn't great. It's not like they had a bunch of first round picks on that offensive line. But what Joe Brady brought to the table schematically masked whatever deficiencies you had up front. And because 2018, had, it was a lot of trouble for them yeah, until right. the very end. So it's very good comparison, right? Uh, and look, it, it helped when you had uh, a quarterback mm-hmm. who was taken number one overall in the draft, had one of the best seasons we've ever seen for a college quarterback. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a first-round pick. Justin Jefferson was a first-round pick. Jamar Chase went in the first round. Terrace Marshall was, what, second-round pick, third-round pick. So yeah. a lot of NFL talent around Joe Burrow. I'm not saying Texas has that kind of talent. But to your point, Ron, there are ways to work around the offensive line. So I'm not, I'm not down on the offensive line because I knew, hey, early on, it, it, there's going to be some rough patches yep. for that group. Yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, and I thought that just looking at the scheme between the two of them, it's something we talked about last year. We can probably expect to see something similar maybe to the Alabama usage of gap scheme runs instead of zone scheme runs. But in week one, you didn't. You saw that 24 to 13 ratio, and I really think that was mostly because this is the personnel you have. You have to do something with the guys that you have that they're comfortable doing it, and that's probably the scheme that carries over from last year. Um, so Rod, you're not you're not panicking about the offensive line? No, not yet. I mean, I, we could. I want to be positive to start the season. We haven't had a good, you know, debut or season opener like this in a while. Uh, so I'll focus on the positive. But I, I think Sark is skilled enough to understand that. All right, my offensive line is limited. Yeah. Tom Herman oftentimes would be stubborn, and he would, even though he would, we would, you know, there'd be things that were lacking on his team, whether a talent deficiency or whether you know that. They just conceptually, coaches-wise, they need to be honest about, you know, the different schemes they're implementing, and he wouldn't. He would just he would go out there <laughs> and put together a game plan, and it would almost seem like an unrealistic game plan because it lacked common sense, meaning um, it, was, it lacked pragmatism. I think that Sark, the one thing I love about his offense, it's pragmatic. It just it makes sense. Every layer of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I do think, ultimately, he's going to look at this game and go, all right, we're susceptible to 
all of this imploding if we don't insulate the offensive line and help them out. Yeah. And the best way to help them out is just to run the football more. Yeah. That's what they do relatively well. They don't pat. I don't think they have any guys that pass block really well no. on that offensive line. None of them actually. No. I mean, so I'm not saying. But that, like you said, that doesn't mean that they're going to be a terrible O line because they work as a unit. But right now, they don't have any elite pass blockers. No, and I think so we, even Kerstetter, who two years ago when he was a right tackle graded out as an elite pass blocker, right now recovering from the injury does not look like. And it. I, I think too, there, there's not to get too deep in the weeds technically, Rod, but this it's a pretty drastic shift. For this group, going from the vertical pass sets that Herb Hand was a fan of to now mm-hmm. more of an angle pass blocking set, it's kind of more of a pro style yep. pass blocking set, if you will. That might not sound like a big deal, but it's it's muscle memory, it's retraining your brain. It's for for some of these guys that Herb Hand was their only line coach. Now you're learning an entirely different way to do it. So yeah, it is it's a pretty it's a pretty drastic change for those guys. So it's gonna take some time. Uh I'm looking at it, Rod, from Saturday. Your highest rated pass blocker according <laughs> to PFF. All running backs. Was B. John Robinson. All B. John Robinson was your highest rated pass blocker. That guy's gotten better at pass blocking. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But you look at the offensive line, everything. none of those guys, I mean Derek Kerstetter, sixty nine point two, which is Pretty, it's, it's average. It's above it's, average. It's, it's right above average. Yeah, yeah. That's your only one in your average category. Junior Angulao, fifty nine five. Jake Majors, fifty seven seven. And then you get into Denzel Okafor, forty one four. Christian Jones, forty point three. So yeah. yeah nah. And then we know about the tight ends just from watching the game. If you watch two of the sacks, one was just Wiley getting beat on the outside. The other one is Brewer not yeah, yeah. with a right read off of a delay. Yeah, delay blitz. They got him. Yeah. So yeah. those two. I mean, you can point to two of the three sacks right there, and those weren't. Even even the lineman. Yeah, I mean, like last year, I believe the numbers around ten or eleven of the sacks, you know, that Texas gave up on the offensive line were due to twists and stunts, games mm-hmm. up front. Louisiana didn't run the games up front. Maybe they just felt like that. They didn't run a lot of them that I saw. Maybe they just felt like it wasn't. They did delayed blitzers, which essentially is trying to work the same concept. Yep. You're trying to force the offensive line to communicate, and then they'll have to adjust their blocking schemes on the fly. Yeah. yeah, so it's the same principle. Just a they different just didn't methodology. have necessarily the personnel to on the do D-line a lot of twists to do and stunts. It, so they yeah. brought it with their secondary yeah. and linebackers. Well, they did one notable time, and that leads me to the Hudson Card conversation because the one time that I really saw them get after Texas with a true stunt where they crashed the tackle down on the tackle and then brought loop the end back around inside – was on the fourth and sixth scramble by Hudson Card, mm-hmm. where Junior Angulao, I don't know if he recognized it late or what happened, but he just flat out whiffed on picking up a stunt, looping back inside. But credit Hudson Card, he recognized it, hmm. saw there's no point in trying to go through my progressions because this play is going to be dead and it's fourth down and I got to do something. And he scrambled, picks up the first down, mm-hmm. keeps the drive alive and they score. Rod, that was kind of the theme of Hudson Card's day overall. And maybe it's just his personality plays a really big part of that. He's been said to be an even kill guy, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He never looked panicked. The moment never looked like it was overwhelming for him. And, you know, it's one of those deals where there it's not like every throw he made was just a, a bubble screen or just a safe high percentage throw. There were some no. throws where he had to climb in the pocket and either throw a guy open or hit a window. Like the, the touchdown pass he threw to Cade Brewer, that six-yard mm-hmm. They ran a little curl flat. B. John oh, yeah. Robinson's in the flat. Jordan Whittington breaks to the to the back pylon, and then Cade Brewer settles down, probably right at about six seven yards mm-hmm. on on that curl. Uh, he placed that ball between two defenders right where he needed to. So overall, I mean, I thought it was it was a game plan where they didn't completely insulate Hudson Card and protect him and gave him a ton of safe throws. But when he did have to climb in the pocket and make a throw, he did have to fit it in a window. Man, he did his job. Uh, yeah, I I loved what I saw from Hudson Card. Yeah, yeah. You see why he won the job. The one thing I was watching for specifically was, you know, his ability to um, to really execute on second reaction plays, right? When he had to either go through his progression or, you know, he got he got pressured in the pocket, had to to move off his initial launch point, all those different things because you know, in my opinion, I thought, of course, on schedule, his arm talent is amazing. It's NFL caliber, and he, he's going to be the guy. But, you know, a lot of off-schedule plays in football, and I wanted to see how he would react in those off-schedule plays. Would he panic? How is he in a crisis? 
and there were a few times that mm-hmm. you saw him in a crisis, and he was absolutely poised, and I thought he was exceptional um, at times in that crisis. And there were lots of, I mean, he, he had a few scramble plays, right? I don't know if they're practicing a the scramble drill, but it, it, it looks like they may be practicing a scramble drill. And I think, you know, that's Sam nice, Ellinger's probably nice watching this game with that Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. <laughs> beam, so like pointing at the screen mm-hmm. like, oh, scramble drill, scramble drill. Uh, but there were a couple Awareness. of times, it was a third and 12, uh, and he found Jordan Whittington, of course, in the third nine. Um, we found Jordan Whittington, of course, who has been the mm-hmm. safety blanket. But it was a scramble drill, and he had to scramble around, and boom, still kept his eyes downfield. That's that's poise in the pocket. And uh, that, that touchdown you're talking about, the Cade Brewer touchdown, that was you – know, you can argue that might have been the best play, the best throw of the day for him, only because – I said it was window. his best throw. Uh, you can tell that he's processing, but real time, yeah, of course, the window is impressive, but he's processing real time because – he does have, I believe you're watching that play, Sark is scheming Jordan Whittington open mm-hmm. on the seven route going to the pylon. Yeah. And if he waits about a half a second more, Jordan Whittington is going to clear and be wide mm-hmm. open. But he doesn't wait. He chooses to go and throw it at the bracketed receiver. And there's a window there. It's NFL open. It probably ain't college open. But if you got the arm strength and you got a quick release like he does, he knows mm-hmm. I can get it there. The reason I believe he didn't wait on Jordan Whittington to clear, even though I think every quarterback would rather throw to Jordan Whittington than Cade Brewer, nothing against Cade Brewer, is because in his mental processing, he's understanding, i got to speed up my internal clock. I don't have a ton of time. All right, These guys are actually getting pressure on yep. me. And they get enough pressure on me, they could tip the ball, they could tip my hand, they could get my, you know, my passing lane, all that kind of stuff. If they do, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm envisioning is a perfect touchdown to Jordan Whittington pre-snap won't be so perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think he had already understood. I think that's their second, like, their second touchdown drive yep. of the game. <laughs> I think he had already understood at that point, i got to speed it up. I, I can't take too long. I got to get it out. If a guy's open mm-hmm. right now, take it. It was third down, too. Yeah. yeah. So he's thinking, man, if I miss that Jordan Whittington mm-hmm. one, if something happens, man, we got to settle for three. My man, Dickery Kicker, take already missed one. What if we get no points? I got to take these points. I got to mm-hmm. get it. That was 100%. Hudson Card making a play within Sark's offense, not necessarily Sark's offense schematically giving Hudson Card an advantage. Yeah. That was, that was all Card. So I yeah. love that play. Because schematically, you can see what was going to be the next option, which is awesome to have because sometimes you don't necessarily have that, and that's why we love seeing the Sark offense play out the way we sort of envisioned it to be. But while you're talking about Hudson Card, just his awareness in the pocket, but his short space quickness, I mean, he's – as elite as you can get, there isn't a quarterback in college that's probably quicker than him. And like you were saying, not only mentally, but you have to have the physical skills. But when you tie those two together, it makes you be able to really be evasive. And then the quick release, like when you add those things on top, I think those skill sets, because a guy mm-hmm. like Casey, Casey is a good quarterback and Casey can look good out there. But Hudson Card can do things that Casey can't do. And it's really with that short space quickness and that quick release. And then, you know, it's, it looks as as if his processing and mentally he's also at a pretty high level for being so inexperienced. Yeah. No, I I, I love the play to Jordan Whittington where he pump fakes it, kind of double clutches it, mm-hmm. and then still puts it on the money. That's also one of my top three favorite plays for um, Hudson Card. So I was impressed. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I think he's he's got it. He's got it. He's got uh, the it quality. He's the guy. And it was 50-50 for him, Rod. Uh, 13 dropbacks where he was kept clean, 13 dropbacks where he was under some kind of pressure. Yeah, and honestly, it should have been easily two more sacks. Probably three more sacks if if not yeah. for that short area quickness that Matt's talking about. Easily, he escaped two sacks that I can think of on the top yeah. of the head. There was the one on the he, you know on the 14 play drive. I think it was right that series of downs that section of that 14 play drive right before that led to the fourth and six, mm-hmm. where he faces early pressure and he's just got to roll out and just it's a throwaway. Yep, and he, had, he had to eat it. So yeah, he he avoided a couple a couple of sacks. Well, and there was, well, there was and there was the one too where. He got sacked. They initially ruled it a fumble, then review it, and it was an incomplete pass. Yes. There was that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. And Which, Matt, I think that was the one you were – was that the one you were talking about where the that was the Jared Wiley? Uh, no, yeah, Jared I think Wiley it ended issue? up going down as a rush. He might have got the equivalent of – but, yeah, that was okay. there was one when he had I to forget. evade it to kind the right and go out to the left. 
But uh, w- while you're on card and being kept clean, he had a perfect NFL passer rating when kept clean on those 13 attempts is a 158.3. Under pressure was only at 60, but Rod brought up uh, you know a couple of those connections to Whittington. It stood out to me when I was watching it, so I started to chart him out. And Whittington's targets, now the first one, it didn't go down as a target because it's batted at the line. But after that, he was 7-7, seven seven, and it was on a third and 12, found Whittington for 15. Mm-hmm. Second and 13? Found Whittington for 13. Third and nine, found Whittington for 11. Third and 11, found Whittington for 41. Third and nine, found Whittington for 16. You're talking about right there five plays that are third and nine or longer or second and 13 in which he was able to move the chains, get first downs on all of them, and then a second and five where it was the 14-yard TD before his one reception from Casey was on first and 10 for three yards. But you look at the value and being able to turn what are, say, losing – series ones that could be be a three and out could be a flip and change the mm-hmm. game whenever you're facing third and 12 second and 13 three third and nine third and 11 third and nine and all of which you go to your guy Whittington and it had flashes of just the security between like say battery mates between Ellinger and Duvernay and that chemistry they had that season two years ago and it looked like Card and Whittington have really good chemistry already but yeah. I, but I, and, and again Rod I don't know if it's Andre Coleman and Sark have worked scramble drift. They coach her. If that's just Jordan Whittington, just the natural football instincts taking over where he's big, just good at scramble good drift. Whatever the case is, though, to Matt's point, that's going to give you rapport with a quarterback. If a quarterback starts to know, I'm going to trust this guy's going to get open. He's not just going to run the route and wander aimlessly down the field. In his, his internal clock, look, if I don't have the ball by now, then I need to look back because something's not right. I need to settle down in the zone, find a spot for my guy. Yeah, no, he's – it could just be natural with him. I mean, he is that good of a football player. He's the guy that could have played defensive back here, could have played running back here, wide receiver. I mean, so we all know Did that. play running back here for uh, a Did play minute. running back here, that's what I'm saying. Like, so he's one of those guys that yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt if it's natural. But also, these guys were well coached. They were disciplined – for the most part, I, I also, you know, have enough respect for Sark that I believe he probably would have put in a scramble drill after watching film last year and going, these guys suck at the scramble drill. <laughs> we put in a scramble drill for these guys. So I, I, you know, he, I, he and I kind of see football in the same uh, kind of same way. And to me, you watch Sam Ellinger, who was the most scramble-happy quarterback in college football for mm-hmm. three years as a starter, and then Tom Herman and his staff refused to put in a scramble drill. That was also getting back to Matt where he started to show with that was extremely frustrating. Yeah, other, other than like, other than just little Jordan Humphrey's natural instincts, yeah, they yes. were really bad in scramble situations. They were terrible in, and like you said, for a quarterback who the numbers showed scrambled as much or more than any quarterback in the country, if you're a really bad scramble drill team and your wide mm-hmm. receivers don't get it, that's that's doing? not that's a bad it's a bad mix. Yeah. It's not good. Um, you got something, Matt? Yeah, just before we get off of the quarterback, one more thing from Card that really stood out was looking at him because normally play action makes you more effective. In, in his situation, he actually no play action had an NFL rating of one fifty three point three. He was ten of fourteen for one hundred ninety eight yards and two TDs. Now, but a lot of that is going to be those Whittington plays, but ten of fourteen for one ninety eight two TDs. That 153.3 NFL rating on non-play action plays. Play action plays, he actually was only 65 NFL rating. He was 4 of 7 for 26. And then even when you're looking at screen to no screen, it's pretty impressive because he was no screen passer rating, 143. Because, you know, screen's going to naturally bring down your passer rating. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about against a average pass defense, he's really about as perfect as you can be. Yeah. Uh, overall, just really good day from Hudson Card. And turnover free. And, and, Rod, you just hit on something. And to me, this was the theme of the game. All three phases helped you win this game. This is true. There wasn't – it was a drama-free opener. You know, if you look back at the openers we've seen really since the program started, it's down downward spiral. <laughs> I counted them up because I'm working on this at Horns 24-7. Maybe by the time you listen to this podcast, this article will be posted, but I make no promises. Um you go back to 2010, and there was that a win over Rice, but in hindsight, we saw a lot of cracks in the foundation yeah. that day. Yes. Okay? You go to 2014, Charlie's first game. You win the game, but coming out of that, oh, by the way, you, you've lost your starting quarterback and your 40-game starting center mm. forever. That was forever. Yeah, that was David Ash and Dominic Espinosa, neither one of them ever played another down. And I think we realized at that point, with another roster purge that came after that week, because remember – 
the following week was, I think, the Desmond Harrison suspension. Mm-hmm. Kennedy Estelle got dismissed. And I remember watching that BYU game from the press box thinking, all right, <laughs> I've got to just drastically alter whatever I thought the ceiling was <laughs> for this team because getting to a bowl game is going to be a crowning achievement mm. at this rate. And it pretty much was. Yeah, pretty much. Um, 15, you had the loss in South Bend that really accelerated the clock counting down to the end of Charlie's tenure. That, that I mean, you had remember we had the the whole offseason talking Sean Watson, oh this offense is different. We put it in tempo and we're doing mm-hmm. this and we're doing mm-hmm. that. And what happened in that Notre Dame game, Rod? The same old Not crap. It looks same old same to me. Crap. Actually yeah. worse than ever. Yeah, it looked worse than <laughs> unfortunately. That one was Adding miserable. Just, I was like, no, it's the same. You know what else I remember about that Notre Dame game? I think that was the only game Charlie ever wore a polo on the sideline. He went no turtleneck. Maybe that was an mm. omen that something wasn't going to go right that Good. night. Things yeah, were going to be off kilter. <laughs> so, then, so yeah, that in 15, 16 was the fool's gold win against Notre Dame. We're Joe Tessitore. I was kind of hoping Florida State would have beaten Notre Dame the other night, and he would have said Florida State was back. I think uh, Doc Texas or somebody on Twitter mentioned it, and I agree. Like, can Florida State win, and Joe Tess can proclaim Florida State back and just kind of lift the curse, get that bad juju <laughs> off of Texas for good, just pass it on somewhere else? Instead, Brian Kelly brought the bad juju. And then, <laughs> and then 17 and 18, the two Maryland games are as. Bucky Godbolt sang to me when I was walking through the building the Monday after I got back from the D.C. area. He's like, I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like playing Maryland. Um, so It did to somebody else, too. So we've seen all those. Yeah, another Big 12 team. Maybe Maryland should join the Big 12. Um, at any rate, we've seen openers just go completely off the rails and just torpedo expectations and good vibes. But, Rod, what I saw from Sark's outfit on Saturday. Not only did they win the game, not only did they cover, not only did they beat a ranked opponent and control the game the entire way, they did it playing turnover-free football. They didn't have, yes, they yeah. had the, the Deshaun Jameson punt return got called back, but man, special teams, B.J. Foster recovers that onside kick. It was a really big special teams play. So special teams at the end of the day, it was a push most likely, but defense gets a big red zone stop. We just talked about Hudson Card in the offense. There was never really any drama, nothing like, no, there was no what-the-hell-is-going-on mm-hmm. moment with this team Agreed. on Saturday. It was really nice to see Texas open the season winning a football game where afterward your reaction is just like, hey, that wasn't too bad. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. You didn't play great and you won by 20 against a good team. Got a lot to work well, on. Because a starting point. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, that's, you know, if you're it looking at you it from there. It makes you feel good if you're a Texas yeah. fan, you it, watch that game. If they're starting mm-hmm. here, the assumption is they're going to get better throughout the season. If this is the starting point, then they do potentially have a chance to compete for a Big 12 title. If this is indeed a starting point and not a mirage or a fugazi, and we don't think that it is uh, because it did look substantive and they look like a group that, it was, you know, I said they would lead the game the entire time. They didn't. They probably led for ninety plus percent of the time. But as Jeff pointed out, they did control the game. They had command of it the entire yeah. time. There, it was never any doubt, and it was never. Unfortunately, Louisiana was not a threat at all. I mean, they really did. Levi Lewis just was not. He was not on. I mean, we thought he may come in here and it'd be a somewhat efficient from 10 yards, uh, within 10 yards of line of scrimmage, and he really wasn't even efficient there. And I pointed out they lost those two running backs who are now on NFL rosters last mm-hmm. year. Part of the key that made Louisiana special was they had a trio of NFL running backs in the backfield at Louisiana. Yeah, That's just yeah. something they probably have never had in the history of the program. They lost two of those three. And, yes, I think, uh, what was his name, Chris Smith? Mm-hmm. He's a good player, but – He's one guy. They yeah. had three of those types of players, and both those other two were better than he was. Yes. Honestly, he, they were better players than he was. So I just think that – I think Billy Napier realized that early on, which is why he had the onside kick, because mm-hmm. he realized, okay, um, I need something to flip the odds in my favor because their depth and their great coaching is starting to wear us down. And after that, what, that second touchdown drive, what was it, 14 plays? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, as a defender, I can tell you right now – that that took the heart and soul of Louisiana because you look on that drive. I mean, it, oh look gosh, how many I, look I how many downs it, yeah. they had a second and sixteen, a third and twelve, a second and thirteen, a first and twenty, a second and thirteen, and a third and nine, all on the same drive. Any of those those downs and yeah. distance to go would usually kill any drive. You had all of those on one drive, <laughs> and not only went down and scored, went down and scored a touchdown. 
as a defender, I can tell you that's when Louisiana lost hope. That's when Billy Napier looked at it and went, okay, we're done. Uh, this that's it. That's it. They can, coming, yeah, yeah, we gotta do something because if they can do that, they can convert a second and sixteen, third and twelve, second and thirteen, second and ten, first and first and twenty, and a second and thirteen, third and nine, all on the same drive. Then we're screwed. Yeah, because yeah, they uh, got, got no the whole defense capping that Louisiana Lafayette offense. Said Levi no Lewis shot. didn't even attempt to pass past twenty yards down the field. Like yeah. he didn't even try one all game long. Yeah, yeah. so they no kept their DBs back. Yeah, deep. exactly. Yeah, yeah. kept in front of you. I misspoke earlier. The card fourth and sixth scramble was not on that 14 play drive. It was on the first touchdown play drive, which was an 11 play, 70 yard drive. And to your point, Rod, Billy Napier said after the game, that's why he decided to go with the onside kick. He was looking at play differential. Yeah. And he said, they've been on the field way too much. Our defense is gassed. We we just got we got to flip it. We can't. He felt like he could not put the defense back on the field at that. That's point. his yeah. all in moment because then instead yeah. he puts the defense right back in the bed. Well, he because he knew well, that my defense is either going to die slow death yep. out here. Or, you know what, let's shot. just go out in a blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think he figured, go I'm going out in that a that blaze just, of glory, yeah. man. I'm not going to go out. This slow death where they're just beating me over the head to- for four quarters, the, no. <laughs> on top of the onside kick recovery, they had a penalty. So then Texas is starting in plus territory. And, and six done. plays later, they're in the end zone. Yeah. You're done at that point. So, I think he, but I think he knew it was coming. I mean, he knew early on they didn't have the depth to play with Texas. And, and listen, when you watch your, your, your senior quarterback come out there and he, he doesn't have it, and their offensive line had suffered some injuries, and I think he knew pretty early on, all right, we're not going to play with him for four quarters. Yeah. He needs something. He, it looks just the same thing he knew when they played Iowa State. Oh, Iowa State's not ready to play. We got this. So yeah. I think, you know, coaches fill out that pride. He didn't, he didn't take any of those types of chances versus Iowa State, no. and they had the same type of situation. He knew, I got to take a chance here. I got to roll the dice, and that's why yeah. we went for the onside kick early. Yeah, I think Texas. I'm not mad at him. I thought it was a good call. I think Texas at that point was plus 16, 17 in play differential. Wearing him out. He was hot. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I know Louisiana. You're at a depth disadvantage to begin with. You're at a depth disadvantage and it's hot. You know what I mean? Like, your guys are wearing out quick. Yeah. I feel it, man. I understand why he did it. Before we get to the defense, though, I want to mention, I do want to mention this. I don't feel like we talked enough about B. John Robinson. Um, But, guys, I don't, I mean, this is just kind of what we can expect from him, right? 24 touches, 176 all-purpose yards, Yeah, has a rushing touch. I mean, this is – This is what he does. He's – I said this, you know, Bob, Bob Ballou asked me this when I was doing – and shout-out to Bob and Jeff Barker, everybody at CBS Austin. I did their Sports Sunday segment, and Bob asked me the question. It was kind of a fill in the blank. He said, B. John Robinson, I think he said, is the most uh, uh, dynamic – I forgot what term he used, but is the best, basically, Texas offensive weapon since when. And I said, he's – for me – He's kind of he's in that he's already to me in that Jordan Shipley Cedric Benson category of you know game to game drive to drive snap to snap what to expect from him like his bar to me his bar is that high mm-hmm. like yeah. you you got I to know say it could be higher <laughs> you you got to know okay it, it's Saturday Cedric Benson's going for a hundred yards he's gonna have a hundred yard game yeah I'm with you on that man I know what to expect. Yeah. And with Bijan, yeah. he's just a modern version of what you would like. Just how in 1998, if you were to create a, a perfect running back, you'd create a Ricky Williams. I don't know if you'd create that type of back in 2021. You maybe would create I, this I can type always of find back. a place for Ricky Williams. Oh, for sure. Not saying that, <laughs> but saying that yeah, if yeah, you yeah, were I to create one, yeah. Bijan Robinson, I would say that when you got a guy that's averaging 18.3 yards per reception in that game, it was – 15.5 yak after the catch, which he's creating. And then on 20 rushes, you're doing Ricky stuff. 11 missed tackles forced on 20 attempts rushing. Like, that's Ricky Williams. I wouldn't be surprised if Ricky had those type of numbers, you know, whenever he would be playing back at Texas. So just to see those things and the ability to go out. He, he lined up out wide thir- 13% of the time. He ran 20 routes. And he had five plays of 10-plus yards on the ground, which is impressive. I mean, mm. just crazy. Easy to see, and the twenty-eight yard pass he caught was from the slot. And Rod, I've been waiting to see it last year, but I told you when he committed to Texas, mm-hmm. I'm like, if this guy in that old offense wanted to play H receiver, he could do it. And probably be you the that. best H receiver you got on offense. Yeah, you were right. Look pretty good running that running yeah, that route. He just looks natural. Yeah. I mean, when you put some running backs out wide, they look like running backs running routes. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like a running back running a route. He looks like a wide receiver running a yeah, route. Yeah, that's not to Matt's point. If you're building, <laughs> yep. if you're building the prototype running back in 2021. Uh, you don't want Ricky Williams instead of what Ricky Williams, Adrian Peterson, Herschel Walker. You want Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. 
Yeah, well, Ricky yeah. would disagree because Ricky's like, I can run a route. If somebody yeah. wouldn't yeah, let me run could. a route, but just Ricky like Deontay that. Foreman told us, he's like, no, I can catch the ball. They, they just, just never wanted it, to so throw it to I'm me. I'm not going to doubt Ricky that Ricky could have done it, but I yep. see exactly what Matt said, and he, he's right. Yeah, I mean, it's he, he is uh, he's unbelievable though. I mean, he is like he's he's next level. I mean, he's uh he's he could be the best running back in the country. Last time Texas was able to say they got the best running back in the country. You know, I guess Deontay Foreman was in that conversation. Yep. Um, for but, sure. But Deontay Vincent. Foreman, but, uh, wait, Deontay Foreman was awesome, right? Running for 2,000 yards. And we all agree that Bijan is on a different level. Yes. And that's no disrespect to Deontay Foreman. No. That guy's an NFL player, but Bijan Robinson is next level. I could say he's the, you could argue he's the best skill position player in college football right you now. You can make that argument. Like Jamal, I'm with you. You can make yeah. that argument. Like even Jamal Charles didn't get to the point where you kind of knew what to expect from him until towards the end of his career. Yeah, like 07, he was yep. at that elite level. Yeah, like, oh, like 05, his freshman year, he was, he was there. He was damn good, but we knew. Ten was the focal point of that offense, yeah. and then in 06, and then he had some injury issues, and then by the end of toward the end of 07, it's like okay, we we know you know what you got, you know what you got with Bijan Robinson right now, right now. Rod, I still don't know exactly what Texas has on defense, and I think the defensive game plan it kind of went. I I, I don't have anything to complain about with the defensive front. Uh, Ovia Gofo had a sack, Ray Thornton had a sack. The, both linebackers, for the most part, played pretty well. There were some things, especially on the touchdown drives yeah. in particular, where there were some bad angles, eyes in the wrong place. But overall, pretty solid day. And I don't want to get too negative, but the one thing that I still don't know about this defense, Rod, we knew we probably weren't going to see much of it. I, I was shocked they didn't at least attempt some 50-50 balls. Yeah. But we doing that. that's the one thing I still don't know with this offense. I still don't know if your corners can play the ball in the air. I still don't know if your DBs, period can defend the deep pass. Well, they might get tested against Arkansas a little bit because yeah. at least their quarterback can push it downfield. I just don't think Levi Lewis even had the, the right. arm talent to do it. But I agree with you. I don't think you'll get tested until you probably get into Big 12 okay. play, unfortunately, because yeah, Rice isn't going to test those corners either. And then you'll figure out if your corners can play. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Unfortunately, that's something they won't really know. Yeah. Uh, until they get to see a quarterback that has a probably little bit more probably September skill set. September twenty fifth when you face Tech when you face Tyler Shuck. There you go. That's probably gonna be the first time. Yeah, and they got decent skill position guys. There you go. Yeah, and unlike last year where you're playing Tech game two after UTEP, at least you'll have a few games for those corners to get their feet wet and figure mm-hmm. out, and then the bombs will start flying. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, yeah. To your point about KJ Jefferson, it's one of those deals like he could throw it. Uh, through a brick wall. I just don't know if you line three walls up in front of him, which wall it's going to go through. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think I said he's got a stronger arm so they can push it downfield, but is he going to be accurate? And Pete Krakowski, who, you know, he basically, this guy is an expert in being able to manipulate pre-snap reads on for quarterbacks. I don't know if a guy like that, you know, will, will process him. Yeah, I just don't know if he'll make the right decisions going up, a qu- up against a Kwiatkowski defense. Oh, I can see him panicking a lot. The one thing yeah. I like that I hope carries over to the Arkansas game, how clean the blitzes were. And I don't know, Matt, I don't know if you've got blitz percentage in crisp. front of you. But, yeah, they were crisp, especially mm-hmm. uh, the one I loved. I, I loved the on the Louisiana, their first field goal drive. It was a great red zone stop for Texas. But it's just a little cross zone where basically Luke Brockermeyer and – DeMarvin Overson, they both end up in the A-gap, but they cross and end up in opposite Oh, yeah, A-gap. like the scissors. Just a little scissor blitz. Mm-hmm. I love that, man. Yeah, it was, it was effective. It hit right. Uh, Matt, you got blitz percentages? Uh, here we go. Wind blitzed. He was 4 of 5 for 45 yards and so nine yards per attempt. They did get the one TD when blitzed. Yeah, I did write down that one thing that actually when not blitzed, 87 QB rating for Levi Lewis when blitzed. 144. So Texas was actually ineffective when blitzing. So only only yeah. five only five of his dropbacks. Yeah, that, which is good. Yeah, that's good. And 11.1. No, exactly. And that's a good stat they to have. To. They did can... in the red zone, I believe, yeah. when they got in the red zone. They didn't get in the red zone that much. Yeah. Exactly. No, Pete Kwiatkowski understood it was a symbiotic game plan. He wanted to keep everything in front of him. 
you, you know, they could have come down and brought the corners down to play a little bit more snug or to, to bump and run some of those receivers because Texas corners can run with those wide receivers. But that was really no point because they do a lot of pre-snap motion. And I think they want to make sure the DBs keep, kept everything in front of them, don't even give them a chance to be out of position on a 50-50 ball. Because, I mean, I, and I believe that the only reason Billy Napier and his staff didn't throw the ball deep, the deep ball more is because the Texas corners kept everything in front of them. Yeah. They'd always be looking at the deep ball, have great position on it, and Levi Lewis can't throw guys open. His yeah. deep balls are like ducks. Yeah. You know, so they knew, like, yeah, that'd be, that's a fool's errand. Yeah, we talked about that last year. I think he was like a 19% completion percentage yeah, on passes. They knew that. And yeah. they threw it 65 times, 65 times, 20 yards or more down the field last year. So it's not like, oh, well, they, no, they threw it quite a bit down the field. It's just, they knew. It, it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. working. And, and, he knew, and he knew that Sark's offense was going to score and that Billy Napier in Louisiana, they don't like shootouts. That offense is not geared mm-hmm. to, to get into a shootout. And essentially, Texas, when they got into a point where they scored one of five of their six possessions there after that three and out, it became a shootout. Yeah. And Billy Napier was I can't keep up with a shootout. Thus, no. the onside kick. We aren't matching. You had to, you yeah, had to we go can't do match something. them like that. Uh, so, anything, I'll wrap up the Louisiana game with this. <clears throat> we said it was a clean game, it was nice to see. Right, I saw, and I don't want to blow this up and make it more than it is, but I feel like I saw in game one stuff that I waited four years to see what I thought we were going to see under Tom Herman. Mm -hmm. A team that looked disciplined, a team that looked well coached, a team that was prepared, and a team that, quite frankly, and and I think this leads me into kind of what the next challenge is going into this Arkansas game. I talked to Keandre Coburn and B. John Robinson about this on Monday because Sark talked about it. You know, Sark got asked a question, hey, how do you form this us-against-the-world mentality? Mm. And paraphrasing, he said, he said, we're such a – what did he say? He didn't say detail-oriented or pro- – like, He did say detail-oriented one. Well, he said it's kind of – they're so regimented and there's such a process they go through during the week. And as he put it, where we're – it takes away the option to pick and choose when you get up for a game and when you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's like, and it's but, about playing to a yeah. standard, and that's something that the previous regime never really got. And because when I talked to Keandre Colbert and Bijan Robinson about it, they're like, "Oh man, that's made so much of a difference." Just trying to, you know, talking about playing to a standard, like, a like it's a foreign based. concept. Mm-hmm. It's something that Sark has really had to change the mindset of. It doesn't matter if you're playing Arkansas, Oklahoma, or, or you know, Uncle Johnny's College of the Ozarks. If you prepare the way you need to prepare every week and approach it this certain way, the same way, man, Saturday will take care of itself. Yeah, it's the Nick Saban mentality. It is it's the Bill Belichick mentality. It is. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, it's one of the things he took from Saban. That's a smart thing to do because that's why Bama, no matter who they play in the opener, they beat the hell out of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna play a, a cupcake the next week, and they're gonna beat the hell out of and them. It, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's I, the I way Bama you, prepares. I guarantee it's a you. preparation. Nick Saban will be mad at the end of their game against Mercer. Oh, yeah, he will. <laughs> because something will go wrong, just it's like unfair. Sark on Monday. Mm-hmm. Talked about everybody's great. He's like, but there's some guys in here that got to play a lot better. Yep. He, he wasn't happy he with it. the way the defense played yeah. in the fourth quarter. He wasn't happy that the offense, when they had a chance to bleed more clock, had a, a couple of punts yeah. and had drive stall. He wasn't happy with that. That's, again, yep. that's basically pretty much the blueprint of where he came from and how they operate and the way they do things. It's... Yeah, just winning the game isn't good enough. No. Did you follow the plan? If the plan was not ex- carried out to a T, then there's still something to work on and get better the next week. Totally agree. It doesn't change depending on if it's Oklahoma or if it's Arkansas or if it's Louisiana. It's the same yeah. process. And the, the challenge now for the Arkansas game is, Rod, if, you, if this team really is now more mindset-driven on playing to a standard and not the opponent, then – now the challenge becomes getting over something else that plagued this program under pre- previous mm-hmm. regimes, mm-hmm. handling success. Yeah. Can you handle success? Good point. Yep. And that all comes with – that's part of the process, right? That's part of focusing on the process mm-hmm. rather than the, the result or the product. Like perfect the process, the result takes care of itself. Yeah. I think that's what – that's kind of what this, men, this new you know, mentality that he's trying to implement with the guys. Yeah. So as we look at Arkansas, Rod, you mentioned that K.J. Jefferson, their quarterback, Kendall Bryles is their offensive coordinator. Oh, but yeah. I, you know, it's one of those deals where your former teammate, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, member oh, yeah. of DBU. That's right. Uh by the way, Kendall Browse, I think he had an interception or two as a true freshman. Yeah, Kendall Browse was a—I mean, he was a good player. 
Yeah. It just didn't. Have, I mean, we had so many damn good DB. Yeah. Where was he gonna see the field? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> it's amazing he did, and it's not an insult. Exactly, that's amazing <laughs> he did see the field. Great point. Um, but say all that to say this. Uh, that's not. I, I think you'll look at that offense, and it's not quite the 2011 Baylor mm. offense. No, uh, not at all. And. You know, getting back to the B. John Robinson point we made earlier, this kind of just, um, I know I'm kind of word salad on Arkansas right now, but you talked about PFF just trolling Texas fans. I don't know if it was Definitely. a troll or Sam Pittman's gen- genuinely confused, but he was talking about Bijan. He's talking about Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Talking about man, this guy hit a punt return callback. He returns kicks oh, to him like well, co- yeah. coach. There's there's two. I know he's like the Shohei Otani now of there's, college football. You can do anything. There's, there's <laughs> he's, two. He's, he's returning punt. He's he's playing there's, corner. There's two number five. I do love that with listening <laughs> to play by play guys and seeing that like and there have been some egregious ones when you watch on ESPN Classic back to old Texas games, but it was like never there was there a Colt. McCoy confused with Earl Thomas. No, That's true. Great That's point. One. No, but like last year during the TCU game, I watched the TCU game from home, and Gus Johnson three different times on the opening mm-hmm. kickoff because remember Texas kept getting penalties. Bijan, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> it's Deshaun. He F kept on yelling. It. He just wanted to yell Bijan. <laughs> Bijan. Bijan. <laughs> it says Jameson on the back of his effing nameplate. He's in an all-conference <laughs> return man. That is fantastic. Uh, brutal. Um, so you just couldn't wait, right? Any oh, and and again, we're recording this on you know Tuesday morning. Any any initial thoughts, Rod, on Arkansas? Um, well, I think that uh, they're gonna try to be physical. I, mean, I think they're just gonna try to punk Texas, see if they can punk Texas. They know they can't. There's no way they're gonna try to beat Texas with skill and speed, in my opinion. From what I watched, they don't have that. One thing, Sam Pittman, I do believe he's gonna try to do is. See if he can expose some weakness uh, within Texas, and maybe it's you know physicality. They want to run the they want to run the football. That's one thing that you know their quarterback does actually pretty well. He can be a part of a physical running game. Two hundred forty five pound quarterback, but yeah, so they can run it. Their best player is the wide receiver Traylon Burks, but mm-hmm. I don't know if they can get him the football consistently. So they may try to do some freaky stuff with him and move him around. Matt was talking about this before we started, put him in the backfield, maybe move him around. They, they usually have him on the outside, mm-hmm. but I would move him around a ton. Reminds me of A.J. Brown. He's got that kind yep. of physical mm-hmm. physique. He's a freak. Uh, one key thing to remember on this with this Arkansas depth chart, Sark talked about it on Monday, and I agree with him, Up, kind of up the middle of their defense is where they are strongest with Grant Morgan and Bumper Poole at linebacker, and then Jalen Catalan at safety, who is a, a freak, was a really good baseball player in high school. Texas recruited him. It didn't work out, but he's he's really, really good. Uh, Bumper Poole's going to not play in the first half of this game because he got a targeting penalty okay. in the second half of the Rice game, yeah. so he is out for the first half mm. of this game. That's good for Texas. Yeah, yeah. It's good news for them because uh, you're right. I mean, that I I do wonder though, um, you know, how often you know they're gonna try to blitz and try to run games up front. Um, I'll watch some more Arkansas film, but to me, I, I say Louisiana didn't do it probably because they didn't really trust their personnel up front to do it. Something tells me Arkansas is going they're gonna throw that at Texas. The offensive line, if you want to try to exploit Texas and you want to try to pull at a thread for the whole damn thing to unravel, you got to take that offensive line down. Yeah, They look disorganized, they had a lot of penalties, and they had injuries too. So if I'm Arkansas, I'm coming after that old line. I'm coming after them, man, with everything I got. Because that's my only hope. Because yeah. I let Texas get calm. And that old line will give me access to their young quarterback who I also need to rattle. Because Bijan is going to be Bijan, as we said. Like he is it, but the only way for you to neutralize Bijan may be to take away his the effectiveness of their blocking schemes. Which, by the way, wasn't that effective versus Louisiana. It was just Bijan was effective. Yeah, he was just that good. Uh, and Rod, I know you and I have talked to, talked about him a lot in the numerous coaching slash staff coaching searches slash staff overhauls this program has had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator just yeah. because of how multiple he is. He's been a he's been a four man guy. He's been a three man guy. Uh, in terms of even front, odd front, uh, and they're running kind of some of that Iowa State, you know, inverted Tampa two stuff with the overhang safety now. Yeah. So it it'll that'll be a good test because this will be this will prepare Sark kind of for what he'll see in the Big Twelve schematically. 
And they got one of the best safeties in the country. Yeah, Catalan is. Catalan is so freaking They had two picks in that Rice game, right? I mean, he pretty much won them the Rice game. Like, he pretty much flipped that game. Because that was a game... They More than a game, a, they were down. They were Rice down at halftime, seventeen yeah. to seven in the fourth. It was until the fourth quarter that Arkansas I mean, got the lead late. back. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it was seventeen seven Rice until Arkansas made it seventeen fourteen at the That's eight minute nice. mark. They tied it with eighteen seconds left in the third quarter, and Arkansas finally took the lead in the fourth quarter, and then they scored the final three touchdowns. Yeah, they were down 17 Maybe Rice is better than we thought? I don't know. But see, I, <laughs> no, 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 that's no, fool's they That's fool's goal, though, because you know, man, week one was a weird week for a lot of for college football sure. teams. So um, I, I think it goes back to Sark's point about playing to a standard. Don't watch that film and, you know, don't think, oh, man, well, think you know, that, oh, we're going to dominate them. Exactly. That's not how it works. We're better than Rice, and Rice did this to them. So Yeah, don't play that game. Yeah. yeah. Transitive try, property doesn't well, work boy, in sports Boy, you try to go transit a property in football, you get yourself in trouble in a whip. hurry. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. don't do that quick. for fantasy either, people. If you're doing <laughs> fantasy this year, I'll give you some tips. Thank you for that advice, Matt. It's always yes. appreciated. Uh, so as of right now, I'll try to find the line again. I was seeing it. Started Matt, at six, I was seeing right? a six and a half. Yeah, six and a half is the last I saw. Uh, that makes sense, Rod. You got a you got a granted early in the week. You got a gut feel on how this one's going to play out. Uh, no, I mean I, I have Texas winning. Um, I got Texas winning. I got Texas covering. Good teams win. Great teams cover. So I just think they're the better football team. They are. They are a better football team. I I think that there are some. You know, you there'll be more maybe elite athletes they'll play against Arkansas, but as a team, I don't know if Arkansas is a better team than Louisiana. As an overall team, I think no. they have a couple of high end prospects that works. Uh, yeah, are elite that'll play on Sundays. Maybe they got more of those guys, but I don't know if they're a better team just yet. But we'll see. I love their coaching staff, though. Love their coaching staff. Oh yeah, Kendall which means Brown, they'll have Mariano. a hell of a game plan. Yeah. And you know, Kendall Browse wants to humiliate Texas. Oh yes, that, that's a little personal for him, and it's personal for Arkansas because it's a rivalry to them. So yeah, they want to welcome Texas to the SEC. I think they're gonna have some funky stuff prepared. Yeah. I know they will. This game to me, it's always been more about the coaching matchups and the environment mm-hmm. than anything else. Yep, totally agree with that. Because if you're just talking talent for talent, there's no question who the better football team is mm-hmm. in yeah. my mind. Texas has them, and if you look at just 94 percent of the money or of the bets have came in on Texas, which is an astronomically high number. But it's because Texas opened at three and a half is up to six and a half. Despite oh, opened at three and a half. Well, that was during the summer. Like, oh, okay, uh, okay. That's been around for a while, but it was technically the open. It's this week. I'm the same as you. I saw it at six and a yeah, half. It I'm looking at Caesars right now, and it's at six and a half. And but the over under is dropped from 58 and a half, which it was down to 57. So Texas has gained three yet the totals went down one and a half so that's just all skewing in texas all the money coming into texas all right we'll uh we'll be monitoring it uh, throughout the week stay locked into not just uh horns 24 7 the coverage we have but uh, also to the horn you get myself and craig way on light the tower from 10 to noon and then rod babers and kevin dunn rbkd from three to seven so we will have you covered up until Saturday, where I am going to Fayetteville, where, by the way, Ooh. I believe I've told this story before mm-hmm. oh, yes. on the show. If I haven't, then it's always good to repeat. Uh, how serious do Arkansas fans take this rivalry? <laughs> Back in 2004, as he was walking yeah. to the press box to call the game, Craig Way got a pimento cheese sandwich thrown at him <laughs> by an Arkansas fan. Which is amazing. <laughs> it's so great. It's hey, Craig Way. It is hilarious, but it's it's so bad. No, but I agree, man. You watch yourself. Just watch your back. And, y'all going and that's like there. the only throwable sandwich. Like if you throw a ham sandwich, it falls, it apart. falls apart. Somehow you have a pimento and cheese that works. That or a peanut there. butter jelly, I guess. So if you're like me and you're going to Vietnam, please, please use Wait, It's Craig really? Way. Oh. And how much they hate Texas, man. That is how they do it, and they – yeah. yeah, they know when, who Craig when, Way is. When they <laughs> stopped playing each other annually, Arkansas, Texas fans just kind of left it. Arkansas fans didn't get that memo. They don't have a rival. Texas is still that they rival. They really don't, yeah. From years, from decades ago. Oh, I mean, seriously, they really don't. Rival. I mean, they try to do the thing with LSU, and but nah, LSU doesn't that's Same with Arkansas, A&M. Right? They've sort of supplanted, and, and like they're like the odd stepbrothers that end up becoming allies. Even like <laughs> A&M and Arkansas, I don't think, really see each other as rivals. It's No, they, but, but when A&M left the Big 12, it's sort of the same yeah. thing, both of them. Yeah. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll see how it all plays out against they locked in to the Horn and Horns 24-7 uh, for all the latest coverage leading up to Texas and Arkansas. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM, twelve sixty, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod be each and every weekday on RBKD from 3 to 7. Seamus Blood. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops at its new time on Tuesday afternoons. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.